yeah no I, I'm really happy I love I love doing a podcast so yeah oh perfect thank you and yeah I just thought it was a nice way to share creative tips and oh give us a sneeze <laughs> no it's gone <laughs> I love that. it's called happy dance podcast I love that because there's so many there is a lot of happy people in the dance world but there's also a lot of bitter people and uh, <laughs> it's nice to meet someone who's smiling <laughs> <laughs> that's what I think I think obviously I want my kids to be the best dancers they can be and I want them to grow and things but I'd much rather have a class full of people that leave happier than when they started Absolutely. than necessarily of nails that move we were working on that week I think I'm very similar to that and, yeah I'd rather them just be happy and then yeah if they end up, and you train them at a high standard whilst they're being happy but if they don't dance they don't dance and people are always shocked that I say that and I'm like no it's, it's chill chill as long as they have a good dance journey at least I have an important part in their lives I yeah, don't need a hundred percent I think dance could give so much more than just a dance as a career because I kind of think it could yeah because even the dance career is a hard one yeah yeah but even just leadership and stuff like that I think all comes from dance and taking that lead role or maybe going to the front line and yeah no it is that you don't realize that little bit of confidence that it does yeah no really yeah absolutely yeah 100%. so that's why i'd call it happy dance because oh, yeah. i want to make as many people happy through dance as possible so absolutely yeah that's what i'll call it <laughs> everyone's so down anything with the word happy would be great yeah definitely especially like i said i think there needs to be more just open and honesty like i think in so many of the group like dance groups and things i think they're amazing in some ways and then other times people will be like, oh, my kids really aren't feeling Zoom or really aren't doing this. And then all the comments will be, well, I've oh. had 90% uptake. Oh. I've had it. Right. How is that? That's, That's why I, I, I want to hear that it's just me <laughs> with this problem. <laughs> I left Dance Teacher Hub in the summer after posting something that apparently everyone was like, yeah, go you. And then other people gave me drama. So I was like, you know what? <laughs> Goodbye. And I, yeah, but I know I see I saw it before, you know, people that are like, just can't seem to get Zoom to work. People are like, it's your laptop, you need a new laptop. It's like, oh my god. Yeah. And I think it comes back to what that kid wants as well. Like if yeah. that kid just loves dancing and doesn't particularly if they're little, they don't really particularly think about if they're gonna do it as a career. They're just having fun. Yeah, exactly. They might not like the fact that they're on Zoom and they can't talk no, to their friends, exactly. they can't tell their teacher what they've been up to that week and things. Think, so maybe it doesn't work for them but then it might work for another student so yeah absolutely I think everyone everyone's got a really different experience with zoom yeah. I mean I teach at obviously my mum has a dance school that had an excellent uptake on zoom not that I posted about it but like <laughs> okay but then they're very focused kids and they really want it and all that and then one of the dance colleges that I teach at the uptake on zoom was appalling and they're like 19 years old and I was like are you gonna come to my class and they're like oh we don't do zoom I'm like okay so you're at a dance college you want to be a professional you've got six months till you graduate yet you're not dancing okay cool <laughs> but like the complete opposite. <laughs> and I'm like yeah okay so everyone's like oh it's my recreational kids that don't want to do zoom I'm like no it's not <laughs> it's any kid that did yeah oh my god that yeah trying to get 20 year olds to do zoom is just <laughs> They have to now, so that half they're like half online, half in person. And if they don't come online, they can't come in person. So now I have them, but now they look like they could hate every minute. Like I'd rather be like, can you turn your screen off because I don't want to see you. Like <laughs> I don't want that negativity in my life. Oh my God. <laughs> I'm like, what are you doing? I'm eating my lunch. No, you're not. You're doing a jazz class. 
no, I haven't had any lunch. I'm like, okay, well, you can leave. Goodbye. <laughs> Have fun with your lunch. <laughs> oh my God, you're a you know, big time college that everyone wants to go to. You, only they could see you now. Yeah. <laughs> but I think they'll get a shock when they realise that the world works in the real world. It doesn't work like that. It's what you put in. in. <laughs> They were going to have a hell of a shock, whether it be being COVID or not. They were going to have a shock. <laughs> I have the wonderful Rosina with me here today to tell us all about her experience in the dance world and about her amazing books she's written and to fill us in and all her creative ideas. So, Rosina, introduce yourself and tell us a bit about your dance journey. Thank you so much for having me, Lauren. Um, okay, so I'm Rosina. I, I am a dance educator. I was a professional dancer. I trained in the UK um, back in back in the day. We won't do dates, but back in the day. Uh, and then once I graduated dance college, I started working inside a contemporary company. And at that point, they sort of said to me, you need to further your training. And I was like, what? I don't need to further my training. I've just finished a three-year diploma. Like, I, I'm done. I'm finished. And they were like, you know, you need some, like, international training. So I headed over to New York when I was 21 and lived in New York for a year. And that really changed my perceptions upon everything dance, uh, how training is different, how performing is slightly different, how, you know, Broadway versus West End, things like that. So um, that was my start of my dance journey. When I got back, uh, my mom has a dance studio and I started trialing out some of the American techniques I don't really like to say American techniques different techniques uh, on those children and then that was when Instagram started getting a bit more I'm sorry if you can hear my dog barking everyone who's on <laughs> on this nice. podcast if you don't follow me on Instagram be sure to follow Mr Billy Downing um I'm gonna shut the door on him okay uh so yeah when I got back I started teaching uh some of these younger children turns leaps things like that and Instagram started noticing and at that point I started my teaching tours where I went around the country uh which led to around the world and now I teach literally all over the place even not so much during the pandemic but uh all over the place on zoom so yeah that's my sort of dance journey um I, my mum was a dance teacher I grew up in a very dance theatrical family you know spent every Christmas Eve in theatre for panto and things like that so that yeah and that's me I think I never know where to stop with that like where is my dad? where do you begin but yeah I think that's in a nutshell that's me no that's great I bet it was a bit of a a shock I mean you were so brave to just up and move to New York and go experience up, I literally up and went and I went with my husband he wasn't my husband at the time if you think I got wow she got married young um <laughs> he was a dancer as well and I don't know both of us felt like we wanted more so that kind of led us to wanting to move to somewhere else and yeah I would highly recommend even if you only go for a week and take class New York is the place to be. Yeah. What was the biggest shock do you think like when you walked into class and you were like wait a second. Uh, how biggest, I <laughs> uh, well two things one was the fact that when in class in London uh, I'd experienced so maybe it's slightly different now but I'd experienced going to class uh, all dressed up just in case someone is there to cast me or someone is there to get me a job. And kind of in the end, I felt like I was going to class because I wanted to get a job. Um, and sometimes the people that are in the shows, some of them don't take class. Yeah, in New York, you can be in a theater class and you're like, God, these people are really good. And they're like, oh, I'm just heading off to, you know, backstage Hamilton, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm in the show later, like, and so they take class as a warm up. So the standard is 
inside. Sky high. And the second thing was advent calendars are not international. Um, we were there. No, I know we were there over Christmas and I was like, where are your advent calendars? And they're like, what are they? And I'm like, what do you mean? What, are what do you mean? What are they? So yeah, so no advent calendars I could find in New York um, or roast dinner. But yeah, for me, the standard in class, it, it was just really inspiring. And I felt like so young compared to everyone in class and so inexperienced, which was, I mean, I just learned a wealth of things from these amazing people. So yeah, that was, that was the first impressions of New York. That's amazing. I think that's so inspiring as well that they realise that even though they're in these massive productions like Hamilton and yeah. those shows, that they're like, no, I still need my, my grassroots training. I need my... Yeah. I still need to do plies as my warm up. I still exactly. Need to- it's such a rare mindset. Um, I don't. I don't know why our mindset is different here. I think you know. You go to dance school. You, if you want to do it as a career, you go to dance college, and then you finish, and then you work. But for me in America, it's like you just keep training. And you know, there are the but in ballet in the UK, you have a lot of you know different age people taking class because they need to keep up the training. But you know, a lot of my friends, they are still very good friends of mine, but they're in the industry and they're like, oh, I've not taken a dance class in years. And I'm like, oh, wow, well done you. <laughs> lucky, lucky you. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> that, yeah. So that was to me the big, um, and that's something I always try and instill in my students as well, is that your career doesn't start when you get a job. Your career starts when you start taking class seriously enough to know that this is the thing you want to do with your life. So you could be 13 years old and start training seriously and your career is beginning. Um some of them always wait till they get that first job. And if that first job doesn't come very quickly, they get beginning to get frustrated. <laughs> so yeah, I like the, the career beginning from when you start taking class seriously and things like that. 100%. I think there's always more to learn. There's always another yeah. way to look at something or another um, angle that might really click with you, say yeah. with a trick or a, a certain skill that you're like, I can never master my on my left leg or something like that yeah constantly different different ideas and different learning methods like you know you think oh I've never experienced that in that way so yeah no it's definitely and I now I don't take class as much as a dancer um yeah my leg doesn't do it so much anymore but um kind of I take I go to teachers courses and like I think you know what I want to keep learning from other teachers to so I better myself as a teacher which some people find really not strange but they're like oh my god you do teachers courses like you take part and I'm like yeah like I don't know everything I'm not the messiah of pirouettes you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> and people call me that but I'm like no like I still need to learn and I like learning so yeah I, I always recommend keep taking class keep learning keep constantly trying to do new things then you don't get bored a thousand percent and do you think growing up in such a dancey um, household that's what made you want to teach or inspired you to become yeah. uh, if you'd asked me at like 15 or 16 do you want to be a teacher I was like I'm never going to teach dance never going to teach dance I don't know why I never wanted to teach maybe I just think had never experienced it I don't know I'm never going to teach dance um I, I don't know what made me want to teach I think I want to see a change and I think the change has actually already started to happen I don't think I am the reason there's been a change I think dance mums is the reason there's been a change um but kids now want more and dance teachers want more and we want we're trying to parallel ourselves out with the tricks you see on YouTube in class and things like that um and I think trying to be a pioneer towards that change and trying to get dance to be taken a little bit more 
seriously, even if you're not going to take it as a career. Um, I think that was, I quite enjoyed being part of that movement, but I don't really know what made me want to teach. I know I definitely didn't want to when I was like 16 and then now <laughs> I couldn't think of anything else I'd want to do. So yeah, it's funny, you know, your teenage self. Yeah, that's fascinating. What, what kind of journey happened? Yeah. What was the clicking? Yeah, no, I never thought that was going to happen. And it, yeah, but I enjoy it now. So. <laughs> oh, awesome. Do you have a favourite style or age or class you love to teach? Uh, favourite style, I would say, is... Ooh, tricky. Um, a, a contemporary fusion esque kind of class I know that sounds so generic because everyone loves <laughs> fusion but something that has like performance something that has moves something that's like quite tricky and things like that and favorite age um oh I would say I have a one class on a Friday night which is my advanced jazz class uh they're at my mum's dance studio I've known those children since they were like nine now they're like 18 um then that class is my favorite one to teach age-wise I don't think it has to be any age. It just has to be that class. Yeah. Uh, I'm not the world's biggest fan of teaching young kids. Um, I don't have enough patience, but that's where my assistant Rory is phenomenal because he's amazing with the little ones. And older uh, professionals and kind of like um, training professionals, I love to hate them. Sometimes I'm like, why are you so lazy? Especially during Zoom. Like, I'm like, you need to come to class. And they're like, no, I don't need to come to class. But then when you're in the room with, you know, 50 aspiring professionals the standard is so amazing so definitely the older end of the spectrum so have you found through zoom and that um sorry through covid and that where it's been such a weird time a real difference in people's approaches to dance and their jobs yeah. and things like that covid has been a it uh <laughs> it's been a year like it's uh, there's times when i'm like actually you know what it's solidified certain things it's made me realize what i have it's made me appreciate this and that and then other times i'm like this was hell like i don't know which mood i'm it depends maybe which mood i'm in um for me dance has taken a whole new look in covid the ironic thing i think as a dance teacher is pre-covid should a student come to you and say hi miss i've learned this off youtube we go no and then now we're like hey head to youtube and learn this dance routine um but i think the the positive for me during covid is i've been able to teach a lot of people from all over the place at the same sort of at the same time i have our you know training programs things online um where usually it would just be one group of kids from one dance school so you've thrown in oh you've got a friend from canada today or we've got someone from scotland and just the collaboration has been good and being able to take class from professionals in other countries as well has been amazing. Uh, but Zoom is a whole new level of crazy. Oh, it's not <laughs> like a sphere that it's just not going to work, that the internet's going to go yeah. and it'll be like, what? what it's the only time when the whole class can be going different ways at different times. And we're like, really well done, guys. Amazing. You're doing great. Um, I don't mind Zoom. I know some teachers absolutely hate it. I have had quite a positive uh, experience with Zoom. I think something that some teachers kind of have forgotten on Zoom is that the children 
are very lost at the moment and that's the only thing they have so sometimes I'm hearing people saying well I'm trying to practice our grade four modern exam work and it's you know they're just not turning up their board and they're this and they're that and I'm like well then stop doing that and do something fun or do something different or you know things like that I think we've had to very much evolve how we teach to try and keep attention <laughs> yeah most of my zoom classes even if they're working on grade work and stuff in class I've been like this isn't really what they need right now and where they're in such tiny blocks is it is so hard to actually critique them oh yeah I think we've just been doing like themes they've been picking music they'd like to dance to and then we've been working on the dances together I've made up the chorus and they've gone off in little groups yeah I think that's such a great way of doing it I think we have to forget what we think they need especially in this time we, we have to see ask them what do you need like like some of them it's like what do you want to do today oh well um I feel really really down and I don't really I, I'm really scared about the pandemic and blah 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 well then let's talk about it so you sit there and you talk to them and actually their parents are like they really needed that and you're like, well, you just paid for a ballet class but I didn't teach them any ballet <laughs> <laughs> no I think no I think it's been good I'm glad we're kind of getting back sort of in person now I think when it comes to zoom you just have to go with the flow. And now we're back in person. The kids are still struggling because they're half isolated from school or they're in there and they're that. At the moment, I'm just, you know, teaching them dance for the fun of it. We get ever get around to doing competitions and groups <laughs> and stuff like that again, we will get to it. Um, but yeah, no, Zoom hasn't been too bad. I think that, I think they're so scared and it's so unknown. It makes me really sad that little like four-year-olds or seven-year-olds are coming in and they're like, I can't have a birthday party because of yeah, COVID. I can't have, um, I can't see Nan and things like that. And I'm oh, like, yeah. It breaks my heart that they have to have that thought process. Obviously, it's happening, and it, they're going to know it's happening. But I think that the worrying part is everyone's like, oh, you know, the world, What's the world going to be like next year? You know, all this. What we're going. It's not what the world's going to be like next year. It's what the world's going to be like ten years time when these like thirteen year olds are twenty three, and are you know they've not had whatever they've not had this year and they've not had you know the support they need it's not so much what's going to happen next year it's what's going to happen in 10 years time I think that's my yeah yeah no it is but at least they still have dance I always think if they were swimmers or horse riders you can't really do that in your lounge (laughs) exactly can you imagine everyone get in the bath please (laughs) oh I actually think some swim schools have no I know I think they're lucky that they dance they don't think that but compared to the, some of the other sports they are lucky we can do on Zoom yeah 100% I think dance is such an outlet as well like if they're having a really rough day at school like a one kid come in and say that one of her friends told her that she'd get shot if she had Covid you know like no no I promise you that really yeah. ignore oh, them God. we'll be fine and yeah. kids are very unlikely to get it anyway but even if you <laughs> mommy will look after you and you'll be fine I yeah there'll be no shooting oh my God. Yeah, so let's let's just dance it out let's have a silly class let's I think we were mermaids that week in that group so yeah, I think that the a lot the government did not realize especially in the second lockdown how taking kids activities away from them actually messed them up even more than the first yeah. one because then all they had was school and some kids just don't get on in school do they or they're you know they're getting bullied or they're this and that's the only thing they have and they can't even get to dance or gym or football or whatever as an outlet so yeah I pray that if they lock down again that kids activities even if it's not dance even if it's you know they are allowed to do swimming or something at least they're allowed to do something because I feel for them I don't have kids but I feel like if I had I'd not that I'd be breaking the rules but I think I'd be 
if they wanted to see their friend, I think I'd let them see their friend. I don't know. Maybe yeah, I'd feel different. I'm worried about that. Yeah. A thousand percent. I think kids are quite creatures of habit. Obviously, mm-hmm. they grow and they develop and things, but they like a routine, like going to school and they do this or do. Yeah. swimming and Tuesday they come to ballet and things like that. And up and interrupting that then means when they go back to it their confidence is taking a hit change again and i do i I think it's been very tough for them i'm it's going to be a year next year of rebuilding a confidence a lot especially with the like 12 to 14 year olds there the ones that i think are the most lost the little ones sort of have got used to it now because they didn't know too much else and the older ones well if they're breaking the rules they're breaking the rules uh and the middle-aged ones they're too young to go out with their friend on their own and they're too old to know that it's not a big deal you know bless them i think when they start secondary school or high school they have such a confidence here it's like primary school they build them up and then they're like i'm the most amazing person ever and then they start secondary school and it's like (gasps) Yep. And the confidence just plummets. I really noticed, especially with things like competition teams. I really oh, yeah. it then and I'm like, no, you're still as amazing as you thought you were before you moved to school. Oh, you're, yeah, you're exactly the same. You're just now year seven. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, it is. It's 12 to 14, you're 100% right. It does seem to be the oh, age. Yeah. Like, <laughs> They're a funny age then. Yeah. <laughs> a thousand percent. So you have obviously created some amazing teaching resources and thank you for putting them out there and how did you come up with what was the process in you creating them like did you just wake up one morning and think everyone always asks me this and I never really I can't really remember the exact point uh so when it comes to teaching resources I have my pirouette surgery and leap surgery teachers kits um they came with the books I wrote my books and then the teachers kit came with them I wrote my books because someone said to me, oh, this is a really good idea. You should write a book about it. And I'm one of those people that's like, okay, bring it on. I had absolutely no idea how to write a book. I left school at 16. Uh, albeit I should have done my A-levels. I didn't because I went to dance college. I was like, right, let's bring it on. Let's write a book. So pirouette surgery and leap surgery came out of someone basically tempting me to write a book um, and their teacher's kits. Because a lot of the time, Teachers are very, very good, but then we have so many other things to be worrying about, the little things like turns and leaps. We don't actually have specific knowledge on because we kind of got taught them as quick as we teach our kids. So that was kind of that niche. And then remote, which is the most recent uh, resources. Uh, my good friend, Tia Laukanen, who is, if you don't, photography Tia, if you're into a dance photo shoot kind of person, uh, she is a good friend of <laughs> Yeah, you will know her and her sister, Ida. Like, they're phenomenal, phenomenal girls. And sometimes when she comes over to London, we hang out and she's always kind of giving me new ideas. And she was like, this was last October. So October, 2019, for everyone listening that says Rosina made remote because of COVID, I did not. Um, October last year, she was like, we should do like, you should create like an online library of classes so that kids can take class with you wherever they are in the world or wherever they are. If they're, they're and I was like, oh, all right, yeah. So last November, me and Lauren, not even Sam and Rory, they didn't know about it. Me and Lauren started doing these classes in my mom's studio. We recorded maybe two of them and we launched it in January. And it had such a great, like, everyone was like, oh my God, why haven't we thought of this before? Like do classes, it doesn't matter if you're in Scotland, you can come take a class in London online or whatever. So that began and then COVID hit in March and 
apparently everyone needs online classes. So I had I had this library, um, I had up to May done. By May, by the day we locked down, I had May, up to May, five months worth of it done. Um, and then we got to May and we were like, well, we're gonna have to go in the studio and record some more because you can't be saying you're offering a subscription service that has nothing in it. So we went into the studio, COVID secure, you know, from a distance recorded the rest of the library. And then it got to a point where some teachers were like, can I use these? And I was like, well, yeah, why not? So. I created my teachers resources, which is the same classes as remote, just more one specific to teachers. And they've been a hit because sometimes we just don't have the energy to keep making up new things, especially during this COVID and pandemic, we're running out of energy. I know I am running on low battery at the moment. I need to like refill and get our stuff back together. So teachers can share them either on Zoom or in person. I have had kids have them on a projector and they're doing a class and things like that. So yeah, they're my resources and they're gonna stay COVID without, with or with, um, because it's been really nice for us to share my ideas and how I teach with other teachers. And I'm, I'm not someone that's like, that's mine. Yeah, you, you, you do you, you use me as a little bit of you want. I'm kind of a supplement. I'm a sprinkle of, you know, parsley on top of the salad. I am the little sprinkle that adds yeah, so they are my resources. And I don't think there's any more coming. A remote will have extra classes added, but there is a third book, but it won't have a teacher's kit. It's it's a long time coming, that one. It's oh, been started three that. times I started that book. I started it in New York about four years ago. I started it on the way to LA last summer and I started it again at the start of lockdown. And I say it's still not, it's, yeah, no, we're not there yet. <laughs> Do you think that's because you've had um, two really amazing successful books that now you feel a bit more <gasps> compared to when you were yeah. like yeah, <laughs> yeah it's pressure yeah. everyone's like what is it about and I'm like well you know, you know I think uh, yeah I think that the first one I wrote I just wrote I didn't have a schedule or anything and then my second one my publisher was like you need to stay on the ball and get it out so two came out you know I was the person that had babies you know in the same year you know what I mean I had two books in the same year and that one uh and then the next one I know there wasn't one coming but it doesn't have a deadline and it was going to be released at move it this coming March but obviously I don't think there's a move it this coming March so that my mind is subconsciously not bothered to keep going and stuff like this so maybe move it 2022 which seems a long time ago but it won't maybe yeah we'll see it's it's the last one there isn't one after it so it has quite a lot in it so we're just waiting for it to you know come yeah, together to feel right and for it to mm -hmm. yeah yeah i think with crazy things you don't want to force it do you, you just want to no. yeah because i found myself i said to myself at the start of this lockdown i'd write a thousand words a day uh, until i got it finished and i a thousand words sounds like a lot but i write quite fast and it comes out quite quickly got to like maybe may and I started being really savage. What I was writing was really like evil, quite uh, like sarcastic. I was like, I have to stop because no one's going to buy this. It's like, oh my God, on Instagram today, I saw, and I stopped. So I was like, take a break. So I stepped back and then I came back to it in like June and I was like, yeah, you can't publish that. So yeah. Needed to, maybe she needed to vent and get it all out there and just delete it. Yeah, maybe it was my secret way of journaling. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> a thousand percent um, do you think that um these ideas and ways of teaching and creative kind of wacky and goofy ideas you've come up with the teaching pirouettes and loops and things yeah. came from the fact that at school you really like you said you didn't enjoy school you found it confusing because I'm so dyslexic I think 
the reason I love teaching and the reason I come up with all these stupid and weird ways of teaching different moves is because yeah. I never understood anything at school. And if someone had explained yeah. to me as uh, your muscles are like Play-Doh and you have to warm it up before it, otherwise it will yeah. just rip and things like that. Um, I don't know. So maybe I, I, I mean, I did, um, I can't, maybe I said I didn't enjoy school, but uh, I'm actually like a, a real nerd. Like, Oh, I went to a grammar school. I'm like, you know, enjoyed science and would happily do maths instead of go outside. Do you know what I mean? I'm, I'm a bit of a geek. I read, when I was a kid, I read like 20 books a day. But the reason I felt, I, the reason I left school at 16 was because I wanted to go to dance college and I never ever wanted to do A-levels and I'm really, really stubborn. Um, so I was never gonna, oh, yeah, I mean, the teacher's like, you need to do A-levels. I'm like, I'm not doing my A-levels. Um, <laughs> I mean, now I would highly recommend kids to do their A-levels because I realised between 16 and 18, I changed quite a bit, but it would never have worked for me because I would have always wanted to be at dance college. But the way I know that I read a lot of books about how children learn, and I know that there's a lot of stress in the fact that children all should learn the same way. And kind of, as you're saying, you, with your dyslexia, you prefer to be taught in a slightly more hands-on, slightly more like imagery based way because that helps you and I think some teachers forget that every kid is different and I think that's where my crazy things come from and uh, I remember when Rory started teaching with me it was like why did you just do that and I was like because that kid there I could be speaking another language and she's just looking at me and it's not making any difference so you know go do something else go get a prop go get and then describe it as a you know something they're eating or describe it like as you said play-doh and things like that so I think that's where my wacky ideas come from although I, I don't I'm just a bit strange really Lauren I think that's you know like people are like how do you get kids to stick their foot on their leg in Ratira I say I, get, I use my magic tea and they're like you're what and I'm like I don't know like one kid I was like how are you gonna what am I gonna do so this kid is in front of me put my finger in my cup of tea put it on her knee and I was like wipe it off with your toe and she wiped it off and her pirouette has been beautiful ever since but you know, you're like magic tea. Well, okay, we'll go with magic tea. Yeah, so I, I, yeah, I don't know where they come from, but it's like from what's around me, and which is when Zoom's really hard, because like I'm in the same room, it's the same cushion, same light, I can't, yeah. But that, yeah, my wacky ideas, they are wacky, I'm sorry if you have read them. Um, no, I love it. <laughs> and I think that's so important, what you said, every kid is different like mm -hmm. even though there are like four or five different main teaching styles that yeah. kids are supposed to apparently learn and I think every single kid is a little mix of three or four oh, absolutely yeah. and you can explain the same move 80 different ways mm -hmm. and it might click for a different kid every time so that's why I think that's why I started this I wanted to learn from other people and I wanted to I think it's yeah I think it's really important to like be versatile in your methods because some kids just look at you like that ain't gonna work. <laughs> what are you talking about, Miss Lauren? I can Okay. A hundred percent. Oh, that's so funny. Um, when you go, obviously you travel all around the world teaching all these masterclasses and the different schools and things, is that quite challenging going in and having to instantly assess <laughs> where everyone's at and what they need to work on and what the mistakes are gonna uh, be? Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Full stop. Uh, when I first started it, I used to get really, really nervous before the start of every workshop, uh, mainly because I'm thinking, oh, my God, like these 200 kids have turned up and they've driven however far for me. And I'm quite a humble person that's like, oh, you, you know, I'm not these hype beast, hype beast. I don't think that's what you call them. Um, I think that's what Rory calls like fashion hype kind of teacher. 
like hype teachers. I'm not that person that's on TikTok. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, all these people are coming. And I used to find the pressure really hard. And then it got to a point where I was like, you know what? Let's just, if I plan something, it never went right. So just walk into the situation, assess the situation and go with it. And the, it has got much easier uh, having experienced so many different dance schools. Um, the thing that still gets me is when you walk in and teachers have pre-warned you what it's gonna be. Um, so if you're listening to this, and you're booking me for a workshop and you pick me up from a train station, don't say, oh, well, they're not very good today. I'm really, really sorry. Because then at that point, I'm like, oh, I've got to change what I'm doing. And then you get there and they're amazing. Or, and on the alternative, these are our elite team. They're amazing. They're this, they're that. And then you get there and they're, listen, they're trying really hard, but they're not an elite team. And you're like, just, you know what? Just say, I'm heading into a studio. Kids, I don't know what they're going to be like. Let's see, let me be. And then that kind of helps. But sometimes if you get pre-warned, you're like, yeah. That's funny. And I think people worry about judgment with that type oh. of thing. I think either they really want to sell the kids up to be like, oh, yeah. we definitely need you here because my kids are amazing. So they're at yeah. your level. Yeah. All this, all the reverse. They're like, oh my God, what if she thinks they're rubbish? I better downplay them. And like, no, I, yeah, I think that that's, oh, kids that's a good <laughs> Their bad days they're human like even though they're yeah. little humans they're still human yeah sometimes it came about kind of the more i post on my instagram of my some of my kids i taught for a long time they're like oh she's nothing like lauren or she's nothing like hospital he's not like rory and i'm like yeah but not all my kids look like that like i have your kid that you know goes the wrong way from the corner i have the kid that can't stand on one leg but i don't post about them because one, I don't post because it's my business. And two, there's so much pressure on Rosina Andrews's kids when they go to competitions. Like, I need to know that, like, so when Lauren and Rory walk into a competition, the competition goes like silent and you hear it from going, and you're like, okay, but they can cope with the pressure, but I'm not going to start posting my, you know, 11 year olds for them to walk in and get judged before they walk in. It's good for them to no one know who they are. So yeah, I do have kids that <laughs> can't as well. Um, yeah. People don't always realize that though. It's very oh, different. People are, there's a lot of places on Instagram that you think of, wow, they're all amazing, but Instagram is very different. You know, Kendall Jenner's skin is clear. I bet it's not clear all the time. I completely agree. And I think obviously it's, it's very different for a competition team, but in general, I've been really trying hard with my Instagram and things to just post yeah. everyone. Because I think one, for parents that are looking to join, they think, oh, actually, they don't need to come in being a prima ballerina yeah. from the get-go. Everyone learns, everyone grows. And I think it's really lovely to post them when they're two, when they're four, when they're six, and go, look at what you have achieved and look at how far you've come. And maybe they I have... Some dance schools get that it's like the journey as well. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of people that see the grass is always greener when actually the grass is greener where you water it. So... Uh, yeah, studio hoppers always a hop in to see the thing that's best. And you're like, you know what? To actually let your kid grow, stay in the same place, let them learn, let them concentrate, you know? Yeah, a thousand percent. I think actually, obviously, there's different teachers, different kids, but for those studio hoppers, they probably grow more and learn more. They're doing it themselves by going, okay, yeah. I'm here. I need to give this class a thousand percent, not think, oh, that's school on Instagram, we're doing 
this yeah. trick that I'd really like to learn. Why don't I go over there? Well, because you're not ready to learn that. Otherwise, maybe your teacher. Uh, I think that's something teachers have to uh, focus on too. Is that they kind of they I, when I first started teaching, I was like, oh my god, so she's doing that. I need to do that. And actually, in the end, I'm like, stop. I, don't, I hardly follow literally anyone on Instagram for that reason because it, you get that like FOMO. I'm like, oh my god, my kids can't do six front aerials in a row. No, what am I gonna do? Like, and then you think actually, you don't need to sit like. That, that you do you so I just don't yeah I'm really absent from social media <laughs> yeah definitely I completely agree I always tell my my teens that they get onto Instagram and they're like oh but my leg can't go as high as that or I can't control that and I'm like because you're not them like you can only control yeah. you you could if you work hard and you do that you might be able to do that in two years time in a year's time however long it takes you but they yeah. might be rubbish at and their step will change or something really basic. Yeah, it, it, it's a hard one for comparison. Working on that one leg extension for that Instagram photo. Yes, it's hard for them to constantly compare themselves. And I think that's where they, oh, I'm not very good at this. Why is that old? Because I've seen this here or I've seen it there. And I'm like, actually, you know what? Let's, let's stop that. But yeah, no, I, I um, definitely think that not comparing yourself to the social media or even just people in general is a very good step to take uh, for dancers. 100% and I spend ages talking to my teens and going the internet's amazing because you can learn so much and be inspired by so many people but at the same time you get those people that obviously don't have the best life and just want to poop on everyone else's and oh, say yeah. things and you can take it to heart because it is horrible what they're saying but at the same time you don't know them they don't know you and for them to take the time out their day to write this turn is rubbish or whatever on your Instagram yeah. they've actually got nothing else to do with their time do you have time to do that I'd rather be eating crisps or watching a dance video or <laughs> walking my dog or do you know what I mean if they've yeah. obviously got full lives if they've got that time to waste it's, finding a random video and commenting something mean on it yeah it's it's you know there's you they need to realize there's more to life but then I guess being a teenager is tough so yeah yeah yeah, yeah. A hundred percent. Like I think it's very easily said than done, isn't it? But yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. It's definitely a process you have to learn over time. Yeah. Do you find that when you go into these um, workshops in other schools and things that you see the same kind of mistakes a lot, or is there a complete variation between one class to the next? Um. Yeah, there's a lot of lack of core strength and understanding. Um, not they're not weak kids are not weak they've got these phenomenal extrinsic six packs that are like poof and I'm like god I want to look like you man um <laughs> but I find that a lot of the time they don't understand what their pelvis is doing and if you don't understand what your pelvis is doing then there's not much um there's only a certain level of expertise you can get to so yeah I say a lot of the time I would say you fill your pelvis with your favorite drink and don't spill it so don't spill your wine, don't spill your Dr. Pepper. One kid once said pina colada, so don't spill your pina colada. I was like, wow, where do you drink that? She was like, at home. I was like, oh, wow, okay. Um, so yeah, so I think pelvis is the biggest thing. And that's where, when we tour with Sam, my husband, who's a dance and fitness coach, he can really help them understand that. But I think that's probably the only thing that I see as a constant, everything, everyone else has their own little things. And sometimes it's depending on what the teacher does. If the teacher perhaps has shoulders that are lifted, the children dance with their shoulders lifted a little bit, or if the teacher doesn't move their head or things like that. Um, but yeah, I think to me, it's, it's the core strength 
not helped by the amount of acro that yeah. kids do. And I don't have any problem. People like Rosina hate acro. I don't hate acro. I, I love good acro. Like there's nothing better than a really good acrobatics. But you've got to look at your kid and be like, I'm not 100% sure her ribs should do that when she's five. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think I think it's important that they kind of, because acro is such a big thing at the moment, we need to equal our strength with our acro. And everyone kind of compares it to gymnastics and rhythmic, but you just need to think how much conditioning rhythmic and gymnastics do. So, you know, if they're training 10 hours, six hours is conditioning, four hours is tricks. As dancers, are we really doing that much conditioning? Probably not. So to me, that's, I think it's just about arch back, spill the wine. That's my biggest that I see a lot of. <laughs> I completely agree. I spend so long with my teens on core strength because they all want to stretch at home and they all want to have that oh, yeah. beautiful, flexible legs for their photos online. And, <laughs> yeah, no. and teenage girls stand with the worst posture anyway. So, <laughs> same so as I, me. I completely agree. I think I tell them all the time, I'm like, there's no point having this beautiful flexibility if you cannot control it like yeah. it's all very nice you'd be able to hold your leg that high but wouldn't it be so much more impressive if you didn't need that hand yeah. if you had that strength if you had that control over your body to be able to execute those moves without needing to force yourself into it be like quick take the picture and then fall out of yeah, it no definitely oh, they uh, their, their strength needs to be equal to their flexibility and it's it's the hard part but the bit yeah. the, the most satisfying part really yes and i think the strength work like nobody likes doing burpees I don't care what anyone says nobody likes a burpee but it is a great way to get stronger and yeah. do that so <laughs> it's finding oh, ways to do it like we do a plank challenge where they're all in a line and they yeah. have to like jump under or crawl over depending oh, really on yeah. their arms um, to travel along the room and they love it and I'm like what you don't realise is you're holding that plank for about three minutes <laughs> yeah, exactly they don't know you've got to make it fun and I think um, more younger kids seem to love the conditioning they've had it because it's I think when the 16, 17 year olds started dance conditioning wasn't really a thing now like when you're nine you do conditioning class and they're like okay and it kind of gets drilled into them so they get a little bit more up for it um yeah, no, I, I highly recommend Sam's, all of Sam's training and his online stuff because he, he just knows how to do it specifically. Like, it'd be like me trying to teach, or oh, him trying to teach pirouettes. And I'm like, that's not your thing. So I kind of leave him. Leave him. <laughs> You're like, we have our zones. <laughs> yeah. Although, to be honest, he because he used to be a dancer, he probably could teach pirouettes surgery class and he's probably sat through it enough million times. I think Billy, <laughs> dog, could teach pirouettes, especially on Zoom. Oh my goodness, we just... Did like six sessions a weekend during lockdown and it's just like wow yeah we're we're done with the pirouette surgery for now <laughs> yeah. oh yeah i can imagine it gets very very repetitive and very yes. <laughs> yeah because if you don't repeat the same class people are like but you didn't get the same results as you did when you had did blood of last class and i'm like okay well pirouette surgery has to be a set sort of thing yeah a thousand percent i think it's so interesting how dance has evolved recently as well with like you said with nine-year-olds now knowing that they need to do conditioning class and yeah. things like yeah. that because they need that strength I think a few years ago that really wasn't the case conditioning was more something you did when you went to dance college I think that helps that like that's one positive of social media because everyone posts what they're doing now so I think children can see oh well, Autumn Miller does Pilates so maybe I should do Pilates you know mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> amazing um, Thank you so, so much for spending your time with me today. No, thank you for having me. Do you have any 
advice or is there a piece of advice that a person has given you that you're like wow I will always remember that always remember that oh oh I don't know there's <laughs> so much um oh, uh, I think for me someone once said once you find your niche and what you're good at and what people believe in you for find that niche and nestle really hard into that niche and stop and don't try and be something that you're not and I think that's really important both for dance teachers if you have a dance school that is more based uh you know technical based or syllabus based and then suddenly you're thinking god I need to do hip-hop because the school down the road is doing hip-hop don't try and change you try and kind of be like okay so my niche is a bit more syllabus and more technical stuff I'll find someone to bring the hip-hop I think it's you shouldn't have to try and be everything I think it's really important to be very very good at one thing and then kind of delegate um in a way it's hard for dance teachers to delegate uh or the other piece of advice that has always stuck with me is when you are doing choreography you always want to be late yeah so you don't rush you want to be like the beat exactly on the beat so hold back hold back that slight bit and that especially when I'm doing choreography that stressed me out I know a lot of kids find you know different styles hard that used to really settle me so yeah two completely different pieces of advice there but stay on the beat that was Luan uh, stay behind the beat that's Luan Keflexi who's Beyonce's choreographer uh, and then nestle hard in your niche I believe is Charlene Ninga told me that so yeah I love those I think it's so important to realise that you can't be good at everything and no. it's okay. And you might be amazing at one thing and someone yeah. else might be amazing at something else. And the working of you two together might yes. be even more spectacular, even more beautiful. Collaboration is massively a massive thing for me. And I find a lot of teachers, I think that's why I've had quite a long career of teaching everywhere. Uh, some workshop teachers start for a couple of months or a couple of years and then sort of peter out a little bit. I keep going with it. Uh, because they know that I'm not going to start stealing their students or I'm not going to start saying oh well that kid at this workshop just did 10 turns that's me I'm always about like saying well this is this teacher and this is her work and I just came in and helped a little bit so all about the collaboration I think is a really important part and a lot of people forget that a lot of people forget when the hype hits that you can't start claiming students yeah I know that's going on at the moment. I know that's all over social at the moment that some workshop teachers like to create companies of kids that they've never taught. And I'm not like that. <laughs> no, because I wouldn't want it to happen to my kids. I wouldn't be like, oh, wait a second. You didn't teach. Like, I, and I try, I think because my mum has a dance school, I see it from both sides. I'm not just the person coming in to teach. I also know that if I charge 800 pounds for one hour, then those children are going to have to pay 30 pounds for you to cover the hall and this and that. Like, I'm not like that. I'm kind of like, I see it from both sides. So I, I think that helps me as a business, really. Yeah. I think that's really interesting and a really fair way of looking at it. Because like you said, I think there's so many people that claim students or will start at one place and then move on to somewhere else. And that person will claim that they've created that. And you're like, actually, I've spent eight years teaching them to turn out and teaching them the basics. Yeah. I cleared up that kid when it was, so, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> No, I think, yeah, I think it's really important to like, not like claim your ground, but your students are so committed to you that they don't even have to risk that. I see so many teachers getting upset about things. I'm like, you know, set your groundwork, set your, set your, um, you know, your rules or your contract or something, and then they won't do it. They, they know where they, 
the boundaries are and I think that's a really good thing uh, that's another piece of advice is you know always have a, a contract or terms and conditions always <laughs> yeah especially in covid <laughs> yes i love that thank you so much um, so you, how would you like to wrap up would you have any advice that you're like this is my message to the world this is my, this is my message to the world. <laughs> oh my message to the world is just keep going doing what you believe in i think that's really really important and um i would love to meet whoever's listening in person at some event in the near future whether it be an online class or a teacher's course or a, a workshop or something like that so all of that is on my website uh, which i'm sure lauren will put in, put in the below you know the, yeah so i will hopefully see you guys in person soon that is the end of our episode thank you so much for listening and have an amazing day